0: Hello and welcome to The Bipolar Feminist, I am Nikita Ramkisun and today we are talking about managing mental health without treatment. Trigger warning! This episode delves deep into many triggering aspects of suffering with mental illness and access to treatment. Disclaimer, while the research for this episode was intensive and information cited from trustworthy sources, it is not intended to replace medical advice. Should you feel any of the symptoms that reflect the feelings described here? please seek the help of a medical professional. Please do not alter your treatment plan without consulting your therapist or primary doctor. The issue of access to medication is a fundamental component of the full realization of the right to health. Medical care in the event of sickness and the prevention thereof, and treatment and control of diseases depends largely on timely and appropriate access to quality medicine. Previous mandate holders have extensively elaborated on the elements, obstacles, principles, and responsible actors in ensuring access to medicine for all. However, despite progress made, many people still lack access to essential medicine. This is due to the obstacles that block access to medicine of good quality in an affordable and timely way, mostly in developing countries and the US, where the monopoly on privatized healthcare means the majority of medications are inaffordable. This challenges human dignity, and the basis of all human rights, including the rights to life, health, and development of all persons. From a human rights perspective, access to medication is intrinsically linked with the principles of equality and non-discrimination, transparency, participation in society, and accountability. There remains an intrinsic link between poverty and the realization of the right to health, where developing nations have the greatest need and the least access to medication. States are obliged to develop national health legislation and policies and to strengthen their national health systems. Access or lack thereof to therapy and medication for mental health is one of the most dire needs that is mostly not met, and taking medication for things like depression is highly stigmatized. Mental illnesses don't eventually pass. Take major depressive disorder, for example. While most people feel sad at times in their lives, Major depression is when a person is in a depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day, for at least two weeks at a time. Some people feel depressed without knowing why. The onset can happen at any age, but usually begins in adulthood. People may only have one depressive episode, but most have multiple episodes over time. People who are depressed cannot simply pull themselves together and be cured. Without proper treatment, including antidepressants and or psychotherapy, Untreated clinical depression can last for weeks, months, or years. Appropriate treatment, however, can help most people with depression. Untreated clinical depression also affects physical health, and there is mounting evidence that clinical depression takes a serious toll on things like chronic pain, endocrine issues, and multiple organ diseases. The most recent studies exploring health and major depression have looked at patients with stroke or coronary artery disease. Results have shown that people with major depression who are recovering from strokes or heart attacks have a more difficult time making healthcare choices. They also find it more difficult to follow their doctor's instructions and to cope with the challenges of their illnesses. Another study found that patients with major depression have a higher risk of death in the first few months after a heart attack. While a lot of these byproducts of depression are unavoidable in the long run, the assistance that medication can give can delay these effects Or reduce them altogether treatment through medication and psychotherapy has been proven to lessen these effects one of the most telling symptoms of clinical depression is a change in sleep patterns though the most common problem is insomnia people sometimes feel an increased need for sleep and experience excessive energy loss lack of sleep can cause some of the same symptoms as depression extreme tiredness loss of energy and difficulty concentrating or making decisions In addition, untreated depression may result in weight gain or loss, feelings of hopelessness and helplessness, and irritability. Treating depression helps the person get control over these depression symptoms and regulates sleep in most cases. The ultimate price that people with depression pay for not treating depression is suicide. The National Alliance on Mental Illness estimates that 4.4% of people in the U.S., will have bipolar disorder at some point in their lives, with the majority of cases considered severe. This means the condition has significant impacts on their quality of life and ability to function. According to 2013 research, bipolar disorder treatment focuses on both addressing acute symptoms and helping maintain stability. Treatment isn't a guarantee that bipolar disorder will suddenly go away. It never will. But medication, types of therapy, and other approaches can help manage the symptoms. They can also prevent bipolar disorder from having worse effects on your life and health. Bipolar disorder is a lifelong progressive mental health condition, which means that it requires long-term treatment. The symptoms won't go away on their own, and these symptoms can negatively impact a person's health, safety, and quality of life. That's why some combination of medication, psychotherapy, and lifestyle modification is often part of treatment. Though bipolar disorder treatment plans are specific to what kind of bipolar disorder is experienced, medication can help stabilize moods so that the person does not experience as many manic or depressive episodes. The stability also makes therapy and personal routines possible and more effective. Bipolar disorder is also degenerative, which means that it has severe impacts on your brain as well as the rest of your body. Finally, according to the Drake Institute, The least treated form of mental illness is ADHD. Left untreated, ADHD and ADD can be a disruptive force that can lead to late or incomplete homework assignments, poor performance at work, bullying, inability to function on a day-to-day basis, and even depression and physical ailments such as chronic pain and eating disorders. According to some research, many adults with ADHD symptoms do not receive a diagnosis of the condition and this can affect a person's chance of receiving proper treatment, with many therapists only focusing on the symptoms, thus not getting to the root of the problem. Medications and behavioral therapy are the most common treatments for ADHD. According to the CDC, for children with ADHD under the age of 6, behavioral therapy is the first line of treatment before medication. After kids with ADHD turn 6, they can start to receive both behavioral therapy and medication. The CDC says... Stimulants are the most widely used medications for ADHD. Between 70 and 80% of kids with ADHD who take these drugs have fewer symptoms. Non-stimulants for ADHD are also available, but they do not work as quickly. However, their effects can last up to 24 hours at a time. Stimulants for ADHD contain various forms of medications that the FDA says work by increasing the brain's levels of dopamine. Dopamine is associated specifically with motivation, attention and movement stimulants are also shown to have a calming effect on children with adhd non-stimulants for adhd work to reduce impulsiveness and hyperactive behavior they can also improve attention and focus now i am an advocate for fully comprehensive treatment plans but i do understand as i always say that access and cost make treatment difficult and managing any of these illnesses without medication is a reality for so many people the world over, especially for women and trans people of colour. When there's limited or no access to treatment, people often have to rely on alternative methods of treatment, including herbal remedies, esoteric therapies, and coping mechanisms that do not involve therapy or meds. Sometimes the idea of taking medication doesn't appeal to some, with many people opting not to take any pills if they can be avoided. Some feel that medication isn't helping, or they become worried about the side effects. Myself, I am a walking bag of side effects. While those are valid concerns that they can discuss with their doctor, medications help and treatment plans vary from person to person. Sometimes it's not about access, but about exhaustion and other factors that create aversions to the treatment, be it psychotherapeutic or chemical. It's important to note that all medications used to treat mental illnesses and disorders come with potential risks and side effects. However, this is no different from any other medication used to treat any health condition, such as insulin. Many times, the benefits of using medications to treat mental illnesses outweigh the potential risks, and I know all too well that more often than not, doctors fail to mention the possible risks, especially to women and femmes of colour. Patients often have to find out the hard way that a certain type of treatment does not agree with them, or that there is a lesser reported side effect that they themselves experience. Therapy on its own is shown to be highly effective in treating many mental health conditions. Types of therapy include cognitive and or behavioral therapy, talk therapy, and family therapy. Many may also receive training on how to behave properly in social settings, especially children. This is known as social skills training. Parents or other loved ones may receive education on living with a person with a certain mental illness. The goal of behavioral therapy is to teach people affected how to handle difficult situations. Talk therapy can help the affected people learn about new, helpful ways to deal with their symptoms. Now, some of the following tips may cause severe eye rolls, and I understand why, because it's all easier said than done, but a lot of it has been tried and tested and works for many people. While regular exercise seems like an impossible task, it is for me sometimes, it allows you to redirect energy, get chemicals flowing through the body, increase dopamine and serotonin distribution, and improve sleep. Exercise also helps regulate brain chemistry to reduce symptoms. Sometimes it's not only about exertive exercise. It can be less strenuous, like swimming or aquaerobics, but getting the body moving is important. Eating healthier foods can become time-consuming and expensive, but there are things to note here. High amounts of sugar can lead to irritability and higher energy for a short period. It can also cause imbalances in brain chemicals associated with mental illnesses such as ADHD. Nutrients may improve the brain function, and there are life hacks aimed at cooking or preparing healthy meals that don't daunt a person out of the kitchen. People suffering with mental illnesses are also more prone to eating disorders, and this has to be kept in mind. There are many social media accounts aimed at helping people with meal prep to deal with their mental illnesses. Quick meals or meal prep for throughout the week can be found online. Limiting screen time may also seem impossible because our current reality is one of digital connection with people we met over social media. Reducing the amount of time spent in front of screens like TVs and computers can limit symptoms. Screens can also interfere with sleep. Investing in blue light glasses may be able to help, but I know it's hard. It's really hard for me to tear myself away from the screen sometimes. But sometimes you have to let go of that phone. Sunshine and spending time outdoors helps. Sometimes stigma prevents us from wanting to leave our house when we haven't showered in days, but it is absolutely necessary. I'll tell you a story about 2020. I didn't see the sun from the 16th of November till the 15th of January. It was the most depressed I have ever been. Not because anything happened or not because I was going through a depressive episode, but because I just wasn't getting enough vitamin D. The lack of vitamin D is, is strongly linked to worsening depressive symptoms several studies show that people with mental illnesses who spend lots of time outside have fewer symptoms than those who don't if you're a student you know that mental health issues make classwork challenging but there are ways to cope including speaking with campus health support staff school counselors and teachers or professors attending support groups may also be available in your area these groups may be able to introduce you to coping mechanisms that you haven't tried or to other people who understand the challenges you may be facing. Community is very important. As I said before, it may be easier said than done, but not trying is more detrimental than helpful. While it's become a meme that diet, exercise, a regular schedule, and organization can help with majority of these illnesses, it's so much harder to manage these tasks without the help of treatment in some form or the other. I have found that a system that works for me may not necessarily work for someone else but the most reliable way I have kept my mental health in check is to have a friend hold me accountable. For me, this person is a fellow system who has bipolar and DID, and we work together to ensure that we stick to our routines and goals. We have non-negotiables. Eat something, shower, take your meds, drink water. Mental disorders can affect all aspects of life, including personal and professional relationships. If untreated, These can have even more significant impacts on mental health and increase the risk of other chronic illnesses, but also suicide. The good news is that all the illnesses that I've used as examples here are very treatable, and many people experience quality of life improvements with treatment. Medication, therapy, and lifestyle changes can all work together for the best possible outcome. Having mental health issues may present challenges, but people can still live a fulfilling life with these conditions. Myself, with bipolar disorder, I've been able to access greater degrees of stability and functionality with treatment. It's never too late to reach out for help, even to other people who are not professionals, who can guide you in the right direction to getting the right kind of help. But the lack of access and affordability make it hard, which is why we need universal basic healthcare, which is the only way to ensure that everyone gets the help they need and not just the few who can afford it. Thank you for listening. I would like to thank my patrons for making this podcast possible, and in particular, Sumeya and Joanne, who are my compass, even in the stormiest of seas. Should you wish to support me, please subscribe to The Bipolar Feminist on Patreon, or donate directly to Nikki Starfish on Coffee. See you next week.